Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome to On the Bench. I'm your host for this episode, Brendan Sinone. I'm joined by Zach Blostein. Zachary, he is here. I can't believe it. Can you not? It literally, I, I tweeted this yesterday, and Des, I think Dustin Hill liked it because he retweeted it as well. But it, I said yesterday, it felt like a fever dream. I mean, I think I saw a lot of our, our Knowles 24 7 subscribers on our board yesterday just saying that, that it felt like a dream, like they couldn't believe it's real. Um, and I, I saw a lot of people saying they were sad it's kind of over, right? The saga. <laughs> Because it was kind of fun to follow along over the, the past two years. But but yeah, Destin Hill is officially in Tallahassee. Destin Hill made it. it. It was more than 800 days from when he committed to FSU publicly when he signed with FSU. I don't know if he ever signed with FSU, though. That's part of the part of part of the many mysteries of this. But we're talking about Mike Norvell, when we believe Destin Hill unofficially or privately committed to Florida State, hadn't even coached a game yet. Yeah. He had just three wins to his name when Destin Hill publicly committed. Destin Hill wasn't Destin Hill when he committed to Sandler the first time. Like so much has changed in all of our lives. I had a lot less gray hair then. Zach, you you were a, a freshman at Florida State. Yeah, or yeah, I think so. Right? That was just, that was that would be my freshman, like the latter half of my freshman year. I'm pretty sure. And you just graduated, so yeah. <laughs> it, it has been a wild ride. Um, as we get into this podcast, and obviously that's going to be the focal point of the conversation, is Destin Hill, the former four-star wide receiver from New Orleans, uh, finally making it to Florida State in one of the most improbable recruiting uh, twist and turd kind of deals that we've ever, ever covered. I was talking to Nee on the bench yesterday, Zach, and asked him if he's ever seen anything like this in Florida State, because he's been covering this program for a long time and, uh, and closer than anyone with recruiting in that span he couldn't think of anyone that that had done this he said fabian walker i think is someone who who made it yeah he went the juco route and then then ended up at florida state but no one's no one's not when was fabian walker that was like 2003 (laughs) that's crazy yeah and that wasn't like that was nowhere near close to this situation right like it's one thing for a guy to go juco it's another thing for a guy to not to go completely ghost mode on social media for two years and no one to spot him or you know there's no there's no public spotting of Dustin Hill for two years there's no um he was not on record with anybody there's no reporting on him it was just complete silence he he, he was an enigma and I mean there are people like on the periphery of the program that weren't entirely sure if he was a real person like it was it was kept so close and yeah on a serious note like something prevented him from being on campus for two years. And Mike Norvell in a comment uh, released through the university yesterday described it as a, a private family matter. 
Uh, we don't know what it what it was. Trust me, Zach and I have have dug. We have a, we we've heard uh, rumors. Nothing substantiated. Nothing that we can discuss confidently here uh, as as journalists, uh, even if it's a lowercase J. Uh, but he he is here, so that's on, on the serious note. Uh, but for this to be this improbable recruitment of him to actually arrive here, uh, Zach, I was like sitting down on the bench and and I missed it yesterday. Like I, all the, the, the FOMO that I had. So I, my wife and I made plans. I've been out of town a lot lately. We made plans a week ago that we were going to go see Guardians of the Galaxy on Friday night, bought the tickets at 620. Well, and I also had a vet appointment with my dog at 2 p.m. on Friday. Uh, thought Dustin Hill would arrive in the, in the morning. That wasn't the case. That so we thought he would arrive in the afternoon. I had to leave and get the dog. Came back when we found out that Dustin Hill still had not arrived. Uh, you hung out with Willie for a little bit. I had to eventually go home at 4.30 because it was getting close to where I had to go to the movies. And at some point, the movie uh, happening in a two-and-a-half-hour two movie, Dustin Hill finally made it to campus. Zach, I'm going to ask you to kind of paint a picture of the day, the final like, the final little element of the saga I thought was perfectly appropriate for just – it epitomized what this entire process had been from our perspective from a coverage standpoint. Yeah, I was basically told going into the day that he was going to arrive at the Moore Center a little afternoon. Well, then I checked in afternoon, and then it was 3 p.m. I checked in after 3 p.m., then it became 4 p.m. I checked in at 4 p.m., and then it was, he's two hours away, he had to stop somewhere. And then he arrived, like, I think around, like, 6.45 or so. Um, and the final part of it was, like, David Johnson uh, is obviously um, – uh, Dustin Hill's like main recruiter out of high school and has continued with him throughout the process. But yeah, so he's on the phone with him trying to direct them like to the stadium. And you, and if you look into the Moore center, you can see a, just a silhouette of greedy Vance in the, in the Moore. And then we thought it was like, it was pretty cool. And then greedy comes out. Um, Dustin Hill kind of arrives on the back or the front part of where the IPF um, or the practice fields are at Florida state, which is, you know, a little bit away from the Moore center actually. And he gets out of the car. You know, I posted a video of this on, on my Twitter and it's on those 24 seven, but basically he gets out of the car and immediately, you know, daps up coach David Johnson. And then he sees greedy and you can see he gets really excited. He says greedy. Um, and I, it was just, it was surreal to witness. I mean, I just never thought that we'd be in this position. Destin Hill officially arriving on campus at Florida State after all this time. Um, and, and it would, you know, if you if you watch the videos, I mean, it literally legitimately gave me goosebumps just seeing witnessing that. I mean, Greedy Vance to think, right? Greedy Vance when Destin Hill committed was a player at Louisville. I mean, he had he had, he was a contributor for Louisville at the time um, when Destin Hill plan to come to Florida state originally, they were, they were not teammates. They were not going to be future teammates, but greedy made the, the transfer here. And obviously he was friends with Destin Hill out of high school with both of them playing at Edna Carr in, in new Orleans. Um, and greedy has been adamant that Destin Hill was going to arrive. He's been posting on a social media, you know, this week, especially like saying, like, Oh, it's finally time. And, you know, it was, it was really cool to watch that he, he stood out there at, you know, close to 7 p.m. With, with Coach David Johnson to go greet Dustin Hill and his family. Um, and that was a really, really awesome moment to witness. So I would be remiss, and I want to get into his potential impact, uh, and there's going to be a little buyer-sonone in, in this uh, 
in this element here, I'm actually, I'm looking something up real quick. So I want to make sure I'm phrasing the question correctly and doing a little bit of background on his, uh, on, on Dustin's skill set. Uh, but first I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Chattanooga whiskey. I was actually up in Chattanooga. I think it was the last time we did a podcast as I was really hungover. We were doing it. Broke me, Zach. The, the, and that was before I did the Chattanooga whiskey tour. It was just normal a night out of drinking. Uh, but the whiskey tour was incredible. I had an excellent time. I want to thank, uh, Tim for, uh, for showing me around and, uh, and, and Pat, the uh, Pat Davis, the the local rep in Florida for setting that up. Uh, Pat's a great dude, an FSU grad. So you guys go to ChattanoogaWhiskey.com and you can see their full line of products. You can go to Sealbacks and buy their 11th anniversary bottle, which is one of the uh, it's an annual release they do where they blend three different types of whiskey together, uh, their own proprietary blend. Uh, as well as uh, some source stuff and some older source stuff. And it, it ends up being this excellent, like I had their 10 year. It was great. I got to try the 11 year when I was up there. It was one of my favorite things that I tried. Uh, so you go to Sealbacks, you can go to your local liquor stores. If you're in uh, the Southeast or, or pretty much anywhere nationally at this point, at least regionally uh, throughout the East coast, uh, they are, they are well distributed at this point. Um, if you go to somewhere in Florida, give a shout out to, to on the bench. Uh, I'm sure Pat Davis would like to hear that. But yeah. I wanted to give a, a shout out to, Chattanooga whiskey. And then I want to give a shout out to Zach, the Turner group, the Turner group, uh, Colin, Amy Turner over at the Turner group are kicking butt in Florida when it comes to buying and selling homes. Uh, I've actually talked to Colin a little bit about entering the housing market myself. He's been super helpful so far. So uh, yeah, he, he's a legitimately good dude who has a great grasp of the market, how to make deals. Uh, they have a smaller agency, which allows him to do a personal touch, but he works extremely hard, is very sharp, moves quickly, but thoroughly. Uh, really, if you're if you're thinking about entering the market, if you just want to have questions answered about it, please give Colin a call, especially here in, if you're in Central Florida, but throughout the state of Florida. And he's expanding to uh, pockets of uh, the state as well, especially Tallahassee. We'll have some news on that coming up later, but you can reach out to him at 407-403-8546. All right, Zach, by Orson Owen, sponsored by the Turner Group. Dustin Hill contributes on special teams this season. Bye. You think so? You think he's going to be? So you saw him in person. I know we haven't seen him run or anything like that, but he, he wasn't like 220 pounds. So that's good. He hasn't yeah. ballooned up a little bit. You think he's going to contribute? He looks the part, man. Like he does not look out of shape. Um, but obviously, you know, the, the true test is when he hits the field. Right. Um, but, but, you know, just from the eye test looks like a guy that, that is not out of shape. Um, still pretty muscular and, you know, I guess we'll see, but I think he can contribute on special teams. You said special teams. So it could be on coverage. It could be on whatever, but I, I think he could maybe be a punt return guy for you. And I know you've heard that. Yeah. I had someone un unequivocally say, yes, he, he can return punts. Um, Nice. Now it does depend on what what kind of shape he's in, but even Mike Norvell in his um, in his statement did mention return game. So I, I give credit to to Mike. He has a good pulse of the fan base and knows what they 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 want to hear. And that's a question that would have been asked. So he made sure to put that in the statement. So it's a good job by Mike and and the FSU sports uh, sports information staff. Um, I know some people were talk were asking why we didn't try and interview Dustin Hill upon his arrival. He's not. He was told not to do interviews. I was. I was informed um, prior, you know, to his arrival. We weren't going to try anyway. But 
he's going to be made available um, probably in the beginning of June for the, what they do with the newcomer interviews. So along with alongside the freshmen in the 2023 class that will arrive on campus later this month, um, he'll be made available in early June for us to talk to in a, in a more you know official press conference kind of environment. It makes makes sense. I think the FSU wants to have it in a controlled environment. Yeah, so. I would do the same. So. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's not a surprise. Um, yeah, man, he's he's here. He's, you know, there are going to be questions about just what he can do on the field this year because it's been two seasons since he's he's played. Um, I would implore you to go to our our well, you're on our YouTube channel now if you're watching, but uh, check it out. It's also on Dolls247.com. The X and O's guys did a breakdown of Destin Hill's game. That was again two years ago, but it is a great reminder of what he. He was his recruit, why he was a top 120 prospect in the composite, why he was a high-end blue chip player. Um, and honestly, Zach, I think this is someone that oh, now knowing what we know now, piecing it together at the time too, and, and kind of putting th together the whole picture, I think he probably would have been ranked higher. I think there was a, some schools were, were a little hesitant to go all in on him uh, because they weren't sure if he would be either a qualifier or be someone who, would be able to enroll right, right away and that proved to be correct right um yeah. but but i think that he probably would have been ranked even a little bit higher if that were the case so you have someone who i think probably is a skill set wise a potential like borderline blue chip like or excuse me borderline five-star prospect um it's a gamble like we're gonna see what, what he's what he's at um but but someone who has the chance to end up being an nfl caliber talent if if he gets back to the trajectory that he was coming out of high school yeah, I agree. I think it's, I think it's going to be interesting to see kind of what the next couple of months are like for Destin. I'm really, I'm really excited to talk to him. I know, you know, I'll have some questions to ask. I'm sure, you know, the media will be ready. Um, but man, yeah, I'm, I'm, I just want to see kind of how that that transition works. Is he, is he, you know, hungry to get after it again? I, I'm sure he probably is. Right after two years of not being able to play football, um, he's probably going to be wanting, you know, hungry to to go earn a spot. Um, so I guess we'll see, but, but yeah, uh, if he can tap into what he was in high school at all, um, he's a guy that can contribute. I mean, he was one, he's one of the best receivers to ever come out of Edna Carr. And that's a, you know, storied program there in new Orleans, Louisiana. So I'm excited to see, uh, you know, what Dessa can do. We, we got to see some, some clips of him running routes or something, man. Oh, man, Micah, Micah Pittman being here in the summer would have been clutch. I know, right, for the vlogs? Because we have no other – we got to get, like, Jaden Floyd to do it now. I think he does vlogs. All he's right. A, he's the walk-ons. Uh, All right, Jalen, we need you right now. So make sure you, you know what the people want. You know what's going to get the clips and the retweets and uh, the aggregation. Go ahead, do it. Uh, all right, let's move on to the the next topic. Uh, truly, one of the more remarkable stories that, that any of us have, have covered. Uh, so let's move on to – uh, some not so encouraging news, UAB safety transfer prospect Jalen Key picked Alabama. Uh, FSU was in it with just Alabama, I think, at the end. I mean, Ole Miss was a school he visited, but it was between FSU and, and Alabama. Uh, he ended up canceling visits to Oregon and Ohio State, I think, right before the Alabama official visit, but it was the second one or, or during yeah. or after, but it's right around in that time frame, Zach. Uh, and, and FSU is not able to get the local prospect at a major position of need. Would Jalen Key have started for Florida State? I don't think so. I think he would have been a high-end like usage guy, though, like a 350, 400 snap guy. I mean, uh, about a starter in terms of usage. 
Is he going to start at Alabama? No, he's going to be a backup nickelback. I, I think he's been told that. Um, but he wanted to play in a system that was similar to his in, in at UAB, I guess, uh, some of the intel you had. And, and more importantly, I think it was just wanted to bet on himself and has seen what Alabama has done with setting defensive backs in the NFL year after year under Nick Saban. So FSU is not able to obtain the the local prospects. Uh, what, inti- what insight do you have on the recruitment that you want to add, Zach? And I think maybe the more pressing question after that, what's next? Because safety was an absolute need. Yeah, so just a little bit of behind the scenes on the recruitment. I, you know, people were expressing confidence in Florida State throughout. You know, for on our site, I was telling our subscribers consistently that Alabama was going to be tough to beat from the jump. They were a school that got after him right away. Um, they were the first school to host him on an unofficial visit, the only school to host him on an unofficial visit throughout his recruiting process in the portal. And that was, you know, soon after he jumped into the portal. Um, he's a guy uh, that played at UAB this past season, like you said. And I'm told um, one of the factors or one of the biggest factors in his recruitment was the fact that UAB's defense, I guess, uses a lot of the same terminology and, you know, the scheming is very similar to Alabama's. Um, So that transition, I guess, won't be hard for him from what I was told. But it's a tough it's a tough deal to lose out on a guy like that. Right. Like a, a guy that played his high school football in Tallahassee, grew up rooting for Florida State. Um, feels like a recruitment that that FSU really needed to to win out. And, and obviously they don't. Um, there are other options on the table, but this just it made the most sense. And this isn't a guy that we're, we're saying is a, is a superstar, right? This isn't some guy they're landing out of the portal that's going to go and be an absolute difference maker for them this coming year. But they legitimately lack quality safety depth, right? They have KJ Kirkland and, and Conrad Hussey behind the two expected starters in Akeem Dent and Shaheen Brown. Um, so they're going to have to make some moves. And the most pressing move that we know of right now is in the JUCO ranks, and that's from Iowa Western defensive back Ashland Bake Barker. Um, he's currently on campus at Florida State as we speak for an official visit. He arrived on Friday night, did his photo shoot inside Doak, and will stay uh, into Sunday. So he's a guy that FSU could be looking to add in the very near future. I'm told he could even enroll if he decides to come to Florida State this coming week and start classes early next week. So yeah, I think uh, he's the guy that I would I would point to next as the most immediate help. But for me, I think they probably need to go and get a guy in the portal. What do you think, Brendan? Well, yeah, I, I think I want to talk about uh, Barker a little bit more in depth because I think it's, it's worthwhile. But yeah. these two weren't um, mutually exclusive. Like they were going to take both if both wanted. And, yeah. and I think it was determined in, you know, when they offered Barker a week ago. Uh, this I know he's a JUCO prospect and – you know, I think sometimes when you hear Juco prospect, you think, oh, a, a more seasoned plug-and-play guy. But Barker is a, a redshirt freshman, basically, if he comes in. He has four years to play four. He'd be part of this recruiting class, 2023. Uh, sorry, this past recruiting class. So he'd be coming in basically as, a, as an enrollee, as a freshman, um, redshirt freshman specifically. But, but so he was not being brought in as this guy who has played at the college level, even at the Juco level. Like he, he – practice last year and want to retain his eligibility which is fairly common um so with, with that being said like you still need if you felt like you needed a safety with experience to join Akeem Dent and Shaheen Brown in that group and replacing Jamie Robinson you still need that 
right? Uh, I will say FSU, I know there's been a lot of back and forth with like different fan bases. FSU fans think about where you're at as a program. You're the, the worst news you've gotten in like two weeks has been losing out on a prospect, a backup safety prospect, an important piece, but a, a rotational piece to Alabama. Yeah. Like the, the program is like, so in, in a vacuum, yeah, you want to win this one. Uh, it would have been great too. He played at Gadsden County, but you didn't. So that's a loss. Do I think this, do I think there's a great option on the market right now at safety? No. Uh, do I think FSU will play a long game and patient and, and manage to find either someone else in the JUCO ranks or um, maybe a graduate transfer enters a little bit later on and someone who can at least help out with depth? Yeah, I, I don't think you're going to go into the season in an important season with the uh, with the lack of options that you currently have at safety. Or maybe that's even an internal trans or an internal transfer, an internal position change. Zach, like I could see that potentially at some point. Maybe you say, hey, we go after a, a nickel corner right now in the transfer or in the transfer market and then move a, a, a corner over to, to safety or something like that. You're going to add someone with experience. I'm not super worried about the position, uh, but this would have been the easiest, most like in a, in a pretty limited safety market. This would have been the easiest fix. You didn't get it. That's not great. We'll see what happens next. Yeah, I think I think it's more so like, it just puts more stress on the staff to go and, and you know, deal with that uh, vacancy moving forward, right? Like that's they fine. need to... That's what they get paid for. I know, but but if you land Jalen Key, you don't have to worry about it, right? You get Key, you probably, um, in a likely scenario, get Ashlyn Barker after this weekend, and you're done. You're but done. Now, yeah. now it kind of looms over their head as they head into the summer recruiting months for 2024. They're also having to worry about you know, the transfer market. And I'm not saying that, you know, that is what they're paid to do, but it, it would have been nice, I guess, um, from, from their standpoint to have it all, you know, done. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It would have been a, a, a usable player and a helpful one. Again, he's at he's an 89 overall grade to, so to Zach's earlier point, like this isn't a, a, a blue chip prospect. This is yeah. a miss instant a contributor, but someone who would have probably helped out uh, at a pretty high probability. So let's talk about Ashton. Parker, uh, Zach, he's someone from uh, relatively regional from Columbus, Georgia, which is about two hours, three hours uh, northwest of Tallahassee. And uh, and he went to junior college this past year. I'm going to pull up his clips while you kind of do a little bit of background down him because I, I think he's worth talking about. He, he has some, to me, some fun elements to his game that, that I think project really well and actually remind me of a uh, of a current FSU player. He's definitely intriguing, right? Um, he's got an intriguing frame at um, close to 6'3", over 200 pounds. Um, he's a guy that you know Florida State um, knew has known about for a while because they have some connections um, via their support staff to Iowa Western, the community college. It's a it's a powerhouse um, community college. They they're always competing for national championships at that level. And like you said, played his high school football at Columbus Georgia Northside. He was a member of the 2022 recruiting class, but chose to attend junior college to seek better options. This wasn't a great situation. He, I'm told, has straight A's on his report card right now, 4.0, um, which is really rare at the JUCO ranks, even for guys that are obviously trying. A lot of them are trying to correct their uh, uh, academic situations. But that wasn't the, the issue for Barker. Barker just wanted to pursue uh, more opportunities. He felt like he could be recruited at the power five level. And obviously now he is, 
Um, FSU was already a fan of Barker's game prior to them extending a scholarship offer. Uh, I think it was two weeks ago now. Um, basically, you know, there was talks about maybe even bringing him in as a walk-on at first. Um, but more schools started to pick up interest in him after seeing him in person. Uh, and like you said, this is a guy that redshirted last year, so it doesn't have any Juco film other than practice film. But as coaches got on the road this spring, it was clear that he was you know, picking up a lot of interest. And then defensive coordinator Adam Fuller uh, went by Iowa Western's practice and saw Barker in person, and that's when the offer was officially extended by Florida State. Um, as we've talked about at length, FSU is recruiting him as a safety uh, but I'm told, you know, he could eventually actually grow into a linebacker because of his frame. Um, he's a you know big body guy and he's already taken an official to Ball State. But that was, you know, a, a couple weeks or a couple months back. And um, since then, he's picked up a lot more interest. Florida State obviously is the most recent offer, but Oregon State's another school that he uh, has an official visit on the agenda for for um, actually next weekend. And we'll see if that visit happens. But um, I could see a decision coming after this weekend if if everything goes right. Um, if if FSU lands him, he'd be able to enroll, you know, right away. Like I talked about before, he's a full qualifier, and he'd have uh, four more years to play college football because he did take that red shirt. So these highlights that you guys are seeing are his high school highlights. Zach, did you talk about why he slipped through the cracks? Yeah. Well, basically the COVID or like COVID, COVID year. Yeah. yeah. So the COVID year prevented him from being able to play. And then I think his junior year, he only played half the season um, and actually did. Yeah, he did some camps that offseason and, and got some interest, but never really picked up a ton of steam on the recruiting trail. Um, and yeah, I mean, he told me over the phone when, when I interviewed him after the offer that Adam Fuller basically told him, like, I don't know how you you didn't get you know a ton of offers at high school he played for a really bad and, and there's some really good football in Columbus. Apparently his, his high school program was, was down at, at that time too. So that did not help. Um, yeah. But watching these highlights, you see a player who you mentioned Zach potential to move to linebacker. Like he is at his best attacking forward, really good running the alleys and, and finishing up run uh, stopping runs, but also has some like turn and burn ability too, like in space. Like I honestly, he reminds me a lot of Shaheen Brown reminds me of his high school film and watching similar skill set when you see this like long rangy uh, versatile defender does a lot of things well you're seeing him attack forward seeing him being able to turn and run playing coverage have some ball skills like physical there you just see a pretty big hit like this is a guy who who has a lot of tools and you know i love the idea of rolling the dice on someone with physical attributes right like you have that you have the scholarship to burn at this point uh full qualifier sounds like a good kid like, like there's a lot of things to like here that would when you start to pull Chris Neism, when you start checking the boxes, like, oh, okay, six foot three, check. Good grades, check. Good film, yeah, like that's there. He, he will play at the power five level, whether he's like an FSU starter or not, time will tell. But the high school film shows like a skill set there. So you start checking these boxes uh, and it it makes sense. So it doesn't, to me, solve your safety issues or at least it's not a safe bet to solve your safety issues we'll see maybe he comes in and is prodigious i don't know uh but i would guess he's probably gonna need a little bit of time uh to to season some this is an instant plug and play type zach uh buyer sonone sponsored by the turner group ashton barker commits to florida state this weekend and enrolls i'd buy that 
based on what I've been hearing over the last, you know, two days or so, I think it's pretty likely. Did you see that daddy put in a crystal ball a couple days ago? I don't know who that is. I'm daddy. All right. What the? Dude. Let's talk about Keon Coleman, four-star wide receiver from Michigan State. The probably the top priority, not just for FSU and the transfer portal, but as things are winding down, maybe the best player available in, in the transfer market right now. Definitely. 93 grade, someone with legitimate NFL upside. He had nearly 800 receiving yards last year as a sophomore at Michigan State. We've talked about him on the pod already before. I don't think we talked about the official visit, though. Chris Knee hustled to the airport and got an interview with Keon Coleman. Exclusive. Exclusive interview. If you're not on Knowles 24-7, that's why you you subscribe. Yeah, what what are we doing? But but that's why you subscribe is because you have a group of – professional reporters who do weird stuff like camp out at an airport to get a exclusive interview with the most pressing prospect on the transfer market. So anyways, Chris talked to Keon Coleman, really liked his visit. I think FSU was hopeful and pushing that he would shut things down on that visit. Uh, That's not what happened. He went and took an official visit to Ole Miss and then Zach has shut things down, which adds some intrigue to this. He was supposed to take a visit to A&M, I think Louisville as well. Yeah. That's not happening. Um, now, the reason why I think FSU was was hopeful to push it was was because you you wanted to get this guy in and, and ready to go because he he's someone who if if you're going all in on him, he would be a a plug and play starter for you opposite of Johnny Wilson. I think that's the push here. You feel good about what you have at wide receiver. This is this rare opportunity to to upgrade in a a sizable manner. Uh, I was told that like Keon Coleman was going back to it's funny a lot of these recruitments are going back now a, a couple of years uh he wasn't able to do the recruiting process during during covid and that was when he was was in high school he wasn't able to go thoroughly into it and do all of his visits and stuff so he at least wanted to, to take some zach i don't think it's inherently a great thing that he shut things down after the old miss visit but i also have some optimism with florida state still like, I, I don't think they're conceding this at all uh, so what are your thoughts on Keon, Keon Coleman and the recruitment and, and where things stand right now? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's a great sign that he shut things down after the Ole Miss visit, right? I think we were both in the, in the same boat in that if he kept taking visits, I probably like FSU's chances more, which sounds weird, right? If he keeps exploring his options. But yeah, that, that me, was the next. That was the next best. The the best scenario would have been him shutting it down. The next exactly. best is him to go through. Yeah, yeah, this this doesn't feel as good. I'm with you. Because yeah, obviously, nil is a factor in here. Um, and if he's going to additional schools, he's going to keep you know obviously hearing new um, nil opportunities from these respective schools. And you know, Ole Miss is an nil powerhouse, like a lot of the schools that were mentioned in this recruitment. Um, and Florida State's up there too. But it, it's funny, Zach, the way our Ole Miss site talks about it. Uh, maybe we should be more uh, assertive in talking about NIL stuff. They're just yeah. coming right out and saying, oh, NIL is going to be this huge factor. And I were tiptoeing around it saying opportunities and stuff. Uh, You're the one that makes us say that, I feel like. When I say, when I say the drop, like he, he, he can get a bag at this school, you're like, oh, don't say that. Say opportunities. I don't feel comfortable with it. At this point, our audience is well-trained to know what opportunities are. It's just, it's just funny to hear how it, it's becoming more and more blunt, which I'm fine with. I just don't want to be the front the front leader in that. Uh, and, and 
that dialect becoming more common. Why is it bad? What? Why is it? Why? Why are you not like? Uh, because you can't pay pay for play is still technically like not an okay thing. But it's just not happening, right? I mean, if you want to go ahead and get someone an NCAA violation, go ahead, Zach. I don't want that blood on my. Our Olmos site is doing it, so. Well, if our Olmos site would jump off the bridge, would you, Zach? Yes. Okay. Um, no, but uh, yeah. I mean, we know NIL is a huge factor here, and I guess we'll see. Um, I think that's what this is going to come down to, which is a, a stark difference from what I heard at the beginning of his, of Coleman's recruitment. I mean, the schools that I heard at the beginning were like Oklahoma, Florida State, UNC, um, and it's gone completely towards schools that are, you know, their number one, uh, you know, the thing that that's the most attractive about Texas A&M right now for a receiver is probably NIL. Well, yeah, it's not it's not wide receiver production or yeah. steady quarterback. We know Jimbo. We know Jimbo doesn't do that. So yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah, but yeah, Ole Miss. Is, it's he's he. Uh, you know, Chris Nee reported on Ole twenty four seven yesterday that Coleman's going to decide between Florida State and Ole Miss, and that a decision timeline is before next weekend. So not this you know weekend that we're currently in, but next weekend um, he should have his decision made. Right now, I'd probably lean Ole Miss just because. You know, he did shut things down after that trip, not after the Florida State trip, which usually, you know, suggests that that school did the best job at at recruiting him, um, you know, in whatever way you want to uh, imagine. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't think Florida State's conceding, like you said, either. Yeah, if we had, if he was making a decision right now, I would pick Ole Miss. Um, the, the fact that there's a little bit of time still gives me optimism that Florida State can kind of close the gap. Well, that's just a timeline. He could go and commit tomorrow or while we're on the podcast. Yeah, but, like, yeah. but I've heard similarly that it'll probably be the like the end of the month here too. Okay. So I mean, we'll, we'll see. You're right. He could. Um, it's recruiting and and heck, even if he decided to commit right now, he's not enrolling until the end of May anywhere. Yeah, because so like, the, there's two enrollment periods, right? right? So like one is literally this Monday on the 15th. That's like Dustin Hill. Uh, maybe Ashlyn Barker if they land him, um, and then the end of the month would be like when all the true freshman signees yeah, come in. Those yeah, guys. yeah, I know people will probably be asking, so it's good. So to even know. if even if a school does land like land his commitment, um, I don't know. There might be different enrollment dates for Ole Miss. Usually they're they're delayed yeah. a little bit, but but um, you'd be if you were FSU, you got a commitment from him in like a week. You'd be probably still holding your breath. Yeah, for that, until that he, remaining week. And I, there's no school that knows it better than us when it comes to that kind of stuff. Daryl yeah. Jackson. Daryl Jackson. <laughs> uh, what are the, so many sagas this offseason. So many sagas. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I so with Coleman, like, I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase it. Like, I honestly, I wasn't thinking of anything just then. I was just thinking if that was a good sigh or not, and if it was getting people's attention. It got yours, I think, so I uh, nailed it. Uh, I, I think with with him, what what stands out about this recruitment is you touched on it, Zach. I think it's important. The shift went from a program with a high octane offense and a proven quarterback to uh, maybe a school with good offensive minds as the as that coaches and strong nil opportunities. Yeah. Now, it's just like you're trying to figure out. It's almost like in in NCAA football recruiting or Madden. Like, there's always like these three. Like, what are your main three like pitches that you want to put on a, a prospect or that they prioritize? What a what a, what do prospects want to hear? And that's what you're trying to figure out. Like, like 
NIL clearly going to be a factor. Is it going to be the number one factor? If it's the number one factor, I don't know if FSU gets them. Like, and that's not to say like that they can't be competitive. I think people hear that and be like, oh, what are we doing? Why are we, why are we uh, coming in second to a school like Ole Miss? Like, it's just Ole Miss needs a wide receiver more than Florida State does at this point. They don't have a true number one. They just lost uh, Jonathan Mingo in the NFL draft in the second round, which is a, a recruiting point for Ole Miss, by the way, in this because similar body size and skill set. Uh, as Keon Coleman. Um, they also had, who was it, uh, Terrence Marshall. Is that it? Yeah. Uh, he was dismissed from the team. It was or no. Of... Wait, no. You're no Terrence Mar- Marshall's Chris an Marshall. old. Chris Marshall. Chris Marshall. Sorry, Terrence Marshall's an LSU water. Yeah, Chris right? Marshall's a Texas A&M transfer that got kicked off the team from Ole Miss this week. So Ole Miss needs this more. And just if we're talking about potential opportunities, uh, would probably be willing to do something that's far more aggressive than – uh, what what the market would maybe dictate. Like they would be setting the market. And then if you're FSU, you have to say, okay, do we want to do we want to reset the market again? And if we do, how does that look internally if he starts getting, say, more than someone like Johnny Wilson? Not like, no, like yeah, that. And we know they don't, you know, Keon Coleman's a very talented prospect, but Florida State is not trying to land guys that their number one most important factor is NIL, right? right. That's because that's point. not going to serve them well in their locker room. And, you know, we've seen it time and time again, guys constantly trying to renegotiate. I'm not saying Keon's like that, but if NIL is that important and, you know, you don't weigh the other factors like playing with maybe a Heisman contending quarterback like Jordan Travis and a high octane offense. And I'm not saying Ole Miss won't be that, right? Like Lane Kiffin, if he's going to do anything, it's going to be, having a successful offense. He's going to score points. Yeah, and he's going to highlight his receivers. So I'm not saying that he wouldn't succeed there. But Florida State is, I think, is a, is a better situation for him um, this upcoming year, you know? And so, I think he know, like I think his camp would probably understand that too. Like, yeah, oh, Ole Miss, but, you're going to put up points in the SEC, but, like, if you're trying to play the long game of, like – Ole Miss might not win, like, seven games this year. Right. And it like, may not make like, Yeah, Florida State's like a – like. A contender like almost is a hundred percent not a contender yeah. this coming year. So you can't. So that's like where we're trying to find is like what that balancing act is of like yeah. for us and as we make predictions and try to figure out like what Keon Coleman wants and it's tough because I think he's telling different people different things too. Like I think, I think that's part of this as well. Um, but like what he's probably doing is, my guess is, he's going to force FSU to find more money and i've heard this before with with players who've who've talked to like uh, mike norvell about like nil stuff like he he doesn't like a head coach doesn't want to get a player in their program for money i don't i don't even know how much they can talk about that to be honest but like uh, they don't want a guy in there who's going to be like you said zach going just for money right but they don't want to lose a player because of it too like so it's like this balancing act of like Okay, we have to be competitive in the marketplace. But if that's your only reason you want to show up here, then that's probably not going to be the fit for you. It's a red flag, yeah. Yeah, and and that's what we'll see. Like, so so if you're FSU, if if Keon Coleman wants to make half a million dollars at Ole Miss, like I don't I don't know if you can do that. If that's like if that's what we're how we're talking about at this point, I just don't know if that's something that you can do. But I don't think you, it makes it, sense to do that. No, it, it doesn't because it creates issues in the locker room. 
Um, it's just, it's not worth it at that point. But if you can get close to that, if you can do something that is what the previous like market value was, like I, I talked to someone who, who has a good idea of like what players make across the country. And they're saying that that price tag is, is probably as much as any wide receiver has made in the portal era other than um, uh, Jordan Addison from USC when he was at Who's the Blitnikoff winner. Yeah. And he went and became a, uh, was he a second round pick or a first round pick? He was a first round pick. One of the, one of the first two rounds. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he was a top 40 draft pick. Um, and, and so like, again, that's where we're talking about like Ole Miss resetting the market and, and we'll see. So anyways, I'm saying all this because I don't think what FSU is doing is, is they're not doing a poor job of recruiting him. You just got to see what the, what the player actually wants. And if he wants a, the marriage of decent NIL opportunities, like good ones and playing with a Heisman trophy winner and playing in an offense that, uh, does a really good job of, of maximizing its playmakers, like in playing on primetime games and putting himself in meaningful games that, that college scouts will put extra value in when they're watching and being in, in person. Like that, that's what he would be signing up for at Florida state. And that's what I think ultimately Zach, I think that that prevails. And so like buyer Sinone, if you had to put in a crystal ball for Keon Coleman right now, for when he commits in two weeks or ten days or whatever, uh, I have, you would you would pick Florida State by or Sonone. Right now, it's Sonone. You you would still lean Ole Miss, yeah. I, I think that's reasonable, but I would buy. I think I would go FSU. Um, I, I mean, think it's a coin flip. They've proven time and time again that they win out in most portal recruitments, even you know when NIL is a big factor. Um, but just you know. I, I feel like Ole Miss is usually pretty confident about most of the guys they're in on. Um, you know, even when Jalen Key a week or two ago officially visited there, they thought they were going to get him. So, mm-hmm. you know, I always take that with a grain of salt. But right now I do think Ole Miss offers a pretty good situation. I think the longer this thing goes, the better I feel about Florida State. Mm-hmm. But right now I feel like he's Ole Miss's to lose. I think I feel similarly. I just, I'm banking on this going until the end of you know, going another week to 10 days or so. Yeah. Um, and if so, I think FSU closes the gap in multiple ways. I understand that logic. I, I understand your logic. And Thank I think you. you understand mine. So that makes us. Let's talk about some visitors that are on campus this weekend. And then we'll get out of here. Well, let's, yeah. let's do that. Cause you're going to be going to the bench soon. So Yeah. Chris is already uh, keeping the bench warm for me, but okay. yeah, I want to talk about some of the guys that are here. Um, some high school prospects. We're jumping out of the portal real quick. Um, Kylan Fox. He's a six foot four, 208 pound athlete, 2024 class top 130 kid in the country. He's a tight end um, that Florida state is really high on and he's very high on the Seminoles as well. Um, He's supposed to be joined uh, on the visit by five-star tight end commit Landon Thomas, who Florida State flipped from Georgia last month. And I think a decision from Fox is not far off. Um, I've been told sometime. I'm going to show Crystal Ball. Go for it. <sighs> I've been told sometime like early June to mid June for his decision timeline, and you know he's scheduled to be back on campus this weekend. And this is his last or his only planned unofficial visit before he goes on a run of official trips in the month of June. Wait, um, if, if I do it now, I think people are going to think he's committing this weekend. I don't want to do that. Do it after the weekend. They'll think he's going to. Okay. Show pick. Um, All right. For a, a delayed show pick. We'll do it. We'll do it on Monday morning. They're going to remind you. Um, oh, I'm sure they will. 
Chris, Dane, and I traveled in South Georgia this past week. Um, hit like five schools and walk in the road episode. No, oh. luckily for our uh, subscriber base, we did not record a Falk in the Road episode on our uh, road trip. We know how those turn out, but we saw a, a number of prospects, including um, Schley County prospects in Ellaville, Georgia, to Lewis Solomon, a four-star defensive back target for Florida State in the 2024 class, and then Zayden Walker, um, a linebacker prospect in the 2025 class. He's the number one linebacker in the country, according to 24-7 sports. Six foot three, 220 pounds. Both of those prospects, they're actually brothers and they're scheduled to be on campus this weekend together at FSU. Um, this marks, I believe, their sixth time on FSU's campus over the last like year and a half. Um, so they've been frequent visitors and both are very talented. I know FSU absolutely wants to add to Lewis Solomon as a defensive back in their 24 class and Zayden Walker is one of their top overall targets in 25. Get them both. Finish it up. Let's go right now. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, and then, like I said, Landon Thomas is another guy that's that's supposed to make it to campus. Um, he's you know, we, he's another guy we saw at Colquitt County down there in South Georgia. Um, there's a full interview with him up on the YouTube channel or on the site. Chris uh, wrote it earlier this week. Great interview. Um, he's locked in. He says Georgia and, and other schools continue to reach out, but that he's completely locked in with Florida State, and he is uh, locked in his official visit for June 23rd, which is their big visit weekend at the end of June. Um, why does my voice keep cracking? You're just emotional from the last 24 hours. You're right. Dustin Hill saga took a lot out of you. There's a few other prospects that are on campus. No one that's, you know, should be on the uh, on high alert right now. But Check it out on those 24 7 Yeah, it's, a, it's an our thread on those 24-7. Subscribe. Help, help, uh, help our product out. Our, our home base product, the thing that we get paid for primarily. We appreciate you. We do. Um, oh, I know what I want to talk about before we get out of here. Give me your top three moments from the road trip to South Georgia. Um, Chris, what, would you you know, what would you title it if it had to be a podcast episode? Um, it's hard to come up with on the spot. Something, right, well, just something wait, I'll let you come up with the title. I'll just give you the top three moments. So, I'll number put in chat one, GPT. Yeah, number one, Chris absolutely destroying a bathroom in some remote town in South Georgia and him feeling so bad about it that he went and bought a Mountain Dew from the gas station um, that he Tim blew Bush, up. I'm sure, helped the next bowel movement he had. You know, uh, let the record state that I did not bring up pooping on this podcast. Zach brought it up. I said blow, blew up a bathroom. You I, mean, I think we know what that means. No. Um, you're the one that brought up the foul language on a kid's show. But yeah, um, let me try to think. It wasn't super crazy. Why can't I remember anything? Um, There's just a lot of funny Dane moments as well as usual. Um, Nothing like when you guys went to South Florida and him getting completely lost on the road or sitting in the wrong uh, line at um, one of the rest stops to get food. But did Dane almost throw up in the car? Oh, yeah, you're right. So I had to sit in the back the whole time. Um, and little Dane had to go in the front because when he was in the back, he got very nauseous and car sick. Oh, and then <laughs> and Chris, um, there was we were at Lee County High School and 
they have literal mountains for speed bumps. And Chris did not want to drive slow because we had to go hit another school. And I was in the back. So I was literally just popping up and hitting my head on the, the, the top of Chris's car, like over and over again. Like, and he didn't care. What did chat, what's the verdict from chat GPT? All right, it's taking all the data in. Oh, unfortunate mishaps. Chris, Dane, and Zach in the trials of everyday life. Oh, we don't have to worry about anything. We're good. That's could have done better than that. That's awful. Try again. Oh, it's because it's derogatory language. Because of the poop? Wow. I told you. Whatever. All right. For On the Bench, I'm Brendan Sinone. Thanks to Zach Blossy for joining me. Thanks to our sponsors, Chattanooga Whiskey and the Turner Group. Sorry that things derailed here at the end. Sorry, Colin. Uh, the Destin Hill saga, not my fault. Uh, the Destin Hill saga has completed. He's here. Zach, go on the bench. That's where you love to be this time of year. See you later, buddy. See ya. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.